Chapter 10 Walker was so worried about Myra, he came running over to her house before she left for work. He looked really good in faded jean cutoffs and a red and white striped polo shirt. Myra was glad to see him, but she said, You didn't have to rush over here this morning. I'm fine, really. I wanted to, he told her, sitting down awkwardly on the living room rug, stretching his long legs in front of him. Come sit down. I can't. I'm already late to Mrs. Cartier's. A few more minutes won't hurt. He reached up and pulled her down beside him. Don't be evil, she said with a grin. She kissed him on the cheek. She liked it when he was forceful, insistent. It happens so rarely. Tell me about last night. I already told you on the phone. There isn't anything else to say. Weird, he said. Weird? That's it? That's your opinion? Yeah. He suddenly became thoughtful. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, I thought you meant I'm weird. Well, that too. Thanks a heap. Can't you be serious? I'm really scared. I'm serious. I'm scared too. For you, I mean. It must be so weird to wake up someplace outside. Not just outside, on Fear Street. You know, I have an idea. He scooted back against the couch. Maybe I could hypnotize you and try to find out what your problem is or what the dream means or something. No thanks, Myra said quickly. She started to get up, but he pulled her back down. No, I'm serious. I've been practicing. I mean, I think I'm getting better at it. It's worth a try, don't you think? Walker, you're weird, Myra said, getting up and walking to the mirror in the hallway. She could see his reflection in the mirror as she straightened her t-shirt. He looked genuinely hurt. I meant it as a compliment, she told him, but his unhappy expression didn't change. So, you're going to see this shrink? Yeah. As soon as he gets back from vacation, Mom says he's a real nice guy. He's done some kind of sleep research, so maybe he'll know how to stop me from sleepwalking. Walker climbed to his feet and came up behind her. She looked at him in the mirror. He's so good-looking, she thought. I better get to work. She suddenly wasn't sure she could trust herself all alone in the house with him. She had the feeling that if he put his arms around her now, or kissed her, she'd never get to Mrs. Cartier's. But he didn't. He looked at her reflection in the mirror for the longest time. Then he asked, Can I walk you to work? Yeah, thanks. She wondered if he could see how disappointed she was. The black cat stared up at Myra, tilting her head, the yellow-green eyes seeming to grow larger. Hazel, Myra said. Where is Mrs. Cartier? The old woman hadn't answered the door. Myra had let herself in after knocking several times. She had been greeted by the cat, a wary greeting, as if Hazel were suspicious of Myra's intentions. Mrs. Cartier? Mrs. Cartier? No response. Maybe she's upstairs, Myra said aloud. The cat headed to the stairs, as if she understood what Myra had said. Mrs. Cartier? Myra called. There was no response, so she climbed the stairs. The door to Mrs. Cartier's bedroom was open. Myra peeked inside. The room was empty, but Myra could see that the bathroom door against the far wall was closed. Myra stepped into the room. Mrs. Cartier? She could hear the shower going in the bathroom. So that's where Mrs. Cartier was. Myra turned to leave when something on the dresser caught her eye. She walked over to it. It was a black candle in a black candle holder. The candle had been burned down to a stub. A puddle of melted wax surrounded it. Next to the candle was a small jewelry box, open. Inside it, Myra could see her pale blue beads piled on top of each other. Mrs. Cartier hadn't even begun to strain them yet. Why were they out? Why were they here next to this strange-looking black candle? The water in the shower abruptly stopped. I'd better get out of here before she sees me, Myra thought. She turned and hurried silently from the bedroom. Myra was preparing lunch, a tuna fish salad, when Mrs. Cartier finally appeared in the kitchen, leaning on her cane, a guilty smile on her face. I'm afraid I overslept this morning, she told Myra. It's one of the few pleasures left to an old lady. It's a very pretty day, Myra said, thinking about her beads in the little jewelry box. Lunch is almost ready. 
Mrs. Kate stepped up to the counter beside Myra. You look tired, Myra, she said, a look of concern wrinkling her normally smooth face. Yeah, I know. I haven't been sleeping too well. Maybe your mother should make you go to bed a little earlier, Mrs. Katia said, a strange smile on her face. By the way, dear, how is your mother? So she does remember my mother, after all, Mamre realized. A thunderstorm prevented them from taking their walk down by the lake. It's just as well, Mrs. Katia said wistfully. I only think of Vincent when I go down there. I guess it's my way of remembering him, of keeping him in my life, but it always saddens me. We'll read some extra chapters today, Myra said, smiling warmly, trying to cheer the old woman up. Her dream flashed into her mind suddenly. She saw the lake, the lake of the dream, sparkling and clear. Forcing the image out of her mind, she picked up the book and searched for the chapter. A few hours later, it was still drizzling as Myra left work. The cold rain felt good on her face. Walking quickly, she headed down Fear Street, eager to get home. She was halfway past the Fear Street Cemetery, her sneakers splashing on the puddle-strewn street, when she heard footsteps behind her. Was it the man who had followed her before, the man with the big neck? She shuddered and began walking faster. Who was he? What did he want? Hey, Myra! She spun around. It wasn't that frightening man. It was Link. Link? What are you doing here on Fear Street? He smoothed back his dark hair, which was wet from rainwater, and grinned at her. Waiting for you. He was wearing black denim jeans and a shiny, sleeveless blue t-shirt. His arms and chest were very tanned. She didn't return a smile. Link, don't start. I don't want... No, just kidding, he said, hurrying to catch up to her. I had a delivery to make. Then I saw you come out, so... She looked behind him to the red pickup truck in the middle of the street. Link had left a door in the driver's side wide open. Is that your truck? Well, they let me drive it for deliveries, he said, grinning again. Want to go for a ride? He reached for her hand, but she pulled it away from him. No, I don't think so. She suddenly thought of Walker. She wondered what he was doing right this moment. She decided to call him as soon as she got home. I'll give you a lift home. Come on, Myra. It looks like it's going to start pouring again. No, she insisted. I'll just drive you home. I won't say a word. Promise. Myra hesitated, looking up at the darkening sky. You promise you won't ask me out or anything, Link? He raised his right hand as if swearing to it. No, nothing as horrible as that, he said and laughed. She followed him to the truck and opened the passenger door. Just use that step to climb up, he told her. Myra slumped into the seat and closed the door. She watched Link jog around the front of the truck and hop up to open the door on the driver's side. He looks great, she thought. Link slid behind the wheel and flashed her a devilish smile. You look tired. I know just what you need. A long, relaxing ride will cool you out, he said, putting a warm hand on her shoulder. Why don't we drive up by the river road? Myra playfully slapped his hand away. Link, you promised. She reached for the door handle, but made it clear she was only teasing. He started up the truck and headed down Fear Street. Know who I saw yesterday? Carrie Post. Oh, yeah? Carrie was a good friend of Link's who went to South, the other high school in town. She liked Carrie and realized she hadn't thought about him since she'd broken up with Link. How is he? Weird as ever. Link turned right onto Park Drive. Know what he's doing this summer? He's the Mr. Frosty Cohen man. You're kidding, Myra laughed. You mean he has to dress up like a big ice cream cone like all those guys? Yep. He has a route for his ice cream wagon. In the old village, I think. He has to ring a bell all day long. I told him I always knew he was a conehead. Myra laughed. And where's his nutty girlfriend, Alice? She's spending the summer avoiding Carrie, I think. They both laughed. She looked at Link, studied his handsome face. She'd forgotten how much fun he could be. It was so nice to be with him, so comfortable, so much like old times. He saw her studying him. 
He put his hand back on her shoulder. How about that drive to the river road, he said softly, just to talk. She started to say yes. After all, what was the harm? He squeezed her shoulder. No, she thought, this is wrong. Walker's face flashed into her mind. It's over between Link and me. Sure, he's a great guy. Sure, I miss him sometimes. And the friends we had together. Sure, I can feel comfortable with him. But I'm going with Walker now. Link, just take me home, she said, staring straight out the windshield. She turned in time to see the disappointed look on his face. Link was more than disappointed, she realized. He was furious, seething with anger at being rejected once again. They rode the rest of the way to her house in silence. Grim, tense silence. He let her off at the curb, and Myra ran up the driveway without saying goodbye. To her surprise, she found Donna waiting on the front porch. She was wearing day-glow green short shorts and a matching midriff top. The outfit made her look even tinier than she was. Who was that that dropped you off? Donna asked, giving Myra a funny look. Link, Myra answered quickly. Now, change the subject, Donna shrugged. He doesn't give up, huh? I don't call that changing the subject, Myra replied sharply, finding her key and opening the front door. Donna followed her into the living room, which was cool and pleasant. Okay, new subject. How's Mrs. Cartier? Donna asked, flopping down on the big leather couch against the wall. Weird, Myra told her. Should I change the subject again? Donna asked, stretching her legs out, resting her feet on the glass coffee table. I ran into Walker at the mall. He told me you, uh, went sleepwalking again? I was going to call you, Myra said. Want to talk about it? Myra sighed. There's not much to say. You're real talkative today, Donna muttered. Myra was still thinking about Link, about how she was so drawn to him in the truck. It took the two friends a while to get the conversation going, as if they were strangers who didn't know each other at all. At first they talked about small, unimportant matters, as if easing into the conversation. Donna's cousin's new haircut, the cute little red Porsche that Pete Goodwin's parents had bought, the new Tom Cruise movie. Oh, by the way, there's a man here looking for you, Donna said suddenly. Huh? Said his name was Cal something or other. Do you know him? No, Myra said, feeling of dread starting to build in her stomach. What did he want? I don't know. He came walking up to the porch while I was waiting for you. A big guy, really big with huge muscles and a neck out to here. Oh, no. Myra, are you okay? You look so pale. Yeah, I'm okay, I guess. How did he find out where I live? Did he say? Oh, yeah. He said Mrs. Cartier gave him the address. Mrs. Cartier? This cow knew Mrs. Cartier? Why did she tell him Myra's address? What did he want? He didn't say. I told him you weren't home. I hope I did the right thing, Donna said. He was kind of creepy. Yeah, he is, Myra said. She told Donna about her first encounter with Cal outside the Fear Street Cemetery. Oh, well, maybe he just wants to sell you a magazine subscription, Donna said, leaning back against the couch and staring up at the shadows playing across the white ceiling. Yeah, for sure, Myra said sarcastically. So, why are you sleepwalking, Donna asked abruptly. It took Myra a few seconds to change gears. Wish I knew, she replied after a bit. I saw a movie where this woman sleepwalked every night, Donna said, scratching her knee. Oh, nice, Myra groaned. I guess you're going to tell me about it, right? Right, she sleepwalked because she wanted to kill this guy. Donna, please. Only, she was too afraid to kill him while she was awake, so she sleepwalked and killed him in her sleep. Then they couldn't try her for murder because she was asleep when she did it. Donna, give me a break, Myra pleaded. Maybe you like to kill somebody, Donna suggested. Yes, you, Myra said, walking over to where Donna was sitting. She wrapped her hands around Donna's neck and did a little playful choking. Okay, okay. What's your theory? Donna asked. My theory? About your sleepwalking. 
My theory is, Myra started, and then an idea came to her all at once, like a sudden explosion that clears everything out of its path, and she felt shaken by the certainty of it, even as she thought about it. My theory is that Mrs. Katye is a witch and that she is casting a spell on me and making me sleepwalk. Donna laughed. Good one, Myra. That's as good as my movie plot. Myra laughed, too. But she pictured the old woman sitting so straight on her bed with her eyes closed, and she thought of the burnt black candle and of her beads on the dresser, and of Stephanie saying that a witch needs a possession of yours to cast a spell on you, and she knew in her heart of hearts that her theory was right. Chapter 11 Mom, can I quit my job with Mrs. Cotier? Mrs. Barnes, wearing a red and white striped apron over her chinos and t-shirt, flipped the hamburgers one by one on the charcoal grill, squinting against the smoke. Mom, did you hear me? Myra asked, coming closer. No, sorry. Did you say something, dear? These hamburgers are almost done. Call Kim and Donna. But I asked you a question, Myra insisted, not meaning to sound so whiny. Is it okay if I quit my job? Mrs. Barnes frowned. She slapped a mosquito off her arm with the barbecue mitt. I thought we weren't going to talk about anything serious. That's why we came up here to Lake Monolock, remember? To get away for the weekend? Away from everything that's been troubling you? It was one of her mom's spur-of-the-moment ideas, and it had seemed like a good one to Myra at the time. Her uncle George had a spacious, three-bedroom cabin on the lake that they could use, and Mrs. Barnes said she could bring Donna along for company. A change of scenery seemed to be just what the doctor ordered. A weekend by the most beautiful lake in the state, far away from Mrs. Cartier, far away from Fear Street, from everything, Myra had quickly agreed. She had to break a date with Walker. He sounded disappointed, but he was very understanding. Get going, he said. Have fun, and don't think about anything heavy. But it wasn't as easy as she had thought to run away from her thoughts. Saturday afternoon, she and Donna had rowed out to the middle of the lake in her uncle's rowboat. Donna was wearing the same day-glow short shorts and midriff top she had on the Tuesday afternoon. Myra was wearing a long green t-shirt over a white one-piece bathing suit. It was a beautiful day, and the lake sparkled under the sunlight like a fairy tale version of a lake. Isn't this fantastic? Donna asked. What? Myra was lost in her own thoughts. She had been thinking of Mrs. Cartier, of her beads, of sleepwalking to Fear Street where Mrs. Cartier lived. It was all so obvious now. Mrs. Cartier was crazy. She was using Myra to get revenge on Myra's mother. She hadn't forgotten the hospital stay, the supposed poor care she had received from Mrs. Barnes. She was casting a sleepwalking spell on Myra to pay Myra's mother back. I have to do two things, she told herself. I have to get my beads back, and I have to quit my job to get as far away from Mrs. Cartier as possible. She suddenly realized that Donna was standing up in a rowboat. Donna, what are you doing? Donna laughed. Just trying to get your attention? I've been talking to you for the last five minutes? I don't think you heard a word I said. Sorry, I was just, I don't know, thinking. That's a bad habit, Donna said, sitting down cross-legged. The boat bobbed gently on the blue-green water. Donna tried to carry on a conversation, talking about what she planned to do with her senior year at Jayside High, but Myra just couldn't concentrate. After a while, Donna gave up trying, and the two girls lay back in silence in the small boat, staring up at the puffy clouds that drifted overhead. Myra spent the rest of the afternoon alone in the cabin, trying to rest. When she emerged that evening, Donna was playing with Kim along the pebbly shore. Her mother was tending the smoky barbecue. So, can I quit my job? Myra asked. We really do need the money, Mrs. Barnes said, concentrating on the blackening hamburgers. It's such an easy job, Myra. Why do you want to quit? Why? What could Myra say? She couldn't tell her mother the real reason she wanted to quit. Mrs. Cartier is a witch. She's casting a sleepwalking spell on me. 
Oh, that would go over really big. My mother would laugh for weeks over that one. Um, I just want to quit. Pretty lame. Stick with the job, Mrs. Barnes said, closing her eyes as the wind shifted the smoke toward her face. It's not like you to be a quitter. Just think of all the new clothes you'd be able to buy before school in the fall. But, Mom, I think the job has something to do with my sleepwalking, Myra said. She hadn't intended to say it, and regretted it immediately. Mrs. Barnes gave her an exasperated frown. If you're going to start sleepwalking every time you take a job, you're going to have a very hard time in life, Myra. Th that's not what I meant, Myra stammered. Oh, never mind. She turned and began walking quickly away to call Donna and Kim for dinner. She felt very foolish. Kim and Donna were on the narrow, sandy ledge of beach along the shore. They had been joined by a friend Kim had made, a boy named Andy, two or three years younger than Kim. They were busily digging a deep hole in the sand. As Myra approached, Kim jumped up and dropped her sand shovel. Watch this, she said to Donna and Andy. Guess who I am? She closed her eyes, stretched her arms straight out in front of her, and began walking stiff-legged across the sand, snoring loudly. I get it. You're Myra, Donna cried, trying unsuccessfully to stifle her laughter. That's not funny. Don't encourage her, Myra snapped angrily. Donna shrugged. Kim lowered her arms and opened her eyes. It is so funny, stupid. Kim, don't call me stupid. Listen, I'm afraid it's time for Andy to go find his parents. It's dinner time. What's this? Andy said, grinning at Myra. He had a red plastic car in his hand. Suddenly, he pulled his arm back and heaved the car into the water. Myra watched as the car hit with a splash and then coasted over in a gentle, lapping current. It floats, Andy said with some pride. No, Myra shrieked, startling everyone. Staring at the little red car in the water, she held both hands over her ears as if trying to shut out the world. No, 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 she cried. Mrs. Barnes dropped her spatula and came running down to the beach. What's the matter, Myra? No, 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 no! It took several minutes to calm her. Even then, Myra couldn't explain why she had screamed. Chapter 12 Donna, you're late, Donna shrugged. Sorry, I had to do some chores for my mom. She was wearing a faded Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt and jean cutoffs. It's really nice of your mom to let me borrow the car. Well, she carpools to the hospital some mornings. Myra glanced nervously at her watch, then handed Donna the car keys. She said the tank is full. It's such a drag having an orthodontist all the way over in Waynesbridge, Donna said. There's no bus that lets me off anywhere near his office. Thanks again. She started out the door, then abruptly turned back. How are you feeling? Me? Fine, Myra answered quickly. Good. You look kind of nervous or something. No, it's just that I'm late for work. Sorry again, Donna said. You can tell Mrs. Katia it was my fault. Then she probably cast a spell on you too, Myra said. She meant it to be funny, but it came out very serious. Are you sure you're okay? Donna held the screen door open, half in, half out of the house. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what happened to me up at the lake. I, I was just overtired, I guess. You haven't been sleeping? I'm afraid to sleep, Myra confided. I'm afraid that if I fall asleep, I'll have the dream again. And if I have the dream again, I'll sleepwalk again. So why? You force yourself to stay awake? Yeah. That's weird, Donna said, shaking her head sympathetically. Yeah, it's weird all right, Myra said with some bitterness. She looked at her watch again and playfully but forcefully pushed Donna out the door. Go, go, go to your orthodontist. Now I'm really late. Okay, okay, I'm going. You know, Myra, maybe you should quit this job. My mom won't let me. Myra pulled the front door closed behind her and followed her friend down the walk. How about giving me a lift? It's starting to rain. Sorry, no room, Donna cracked. Myra didn't smile. Hey, it was a joke. Pretty lame, Myra said sullenly, yawning. 
You're no fun when you don't sleep, Donna said, pulling open the door to the Toyota and sliding behind the wheel. It's not a fun summer, Myra said wistfully, glancing at her watch, thinking about the old woman waiting for her in that creepy house by the lake. As she climbed out of the car and said goodbye to Donna, Myra saw Mrs. Cartier watching her from the front door. Good morning, Mrs. Cartier, she called. But the old woman seemed to be staring at Donna and didn't respond. Myra hurried up to the front stoop. Mrs. Cartier was dressed all in white, a long-sleeved white blouse over a pleated white skirt. With her jet black hair and rosy complexion, she looked about half her age. Myra, I need to talk to you, she said, leaning on her cane with one hand, pushing open the screen door with the other. I, I'm really sorry I'm late, Mrs. Cartier, Myra stammered, stepping into the house, which was cool despite the heat of the day. I had to wait for my friend, and... That's okay, Mrs. Cartier said quickly. She turned and slowly walked past the cluttered living room to the kitchen. I have something to tell you. Is she going to confess about casting a spell on me? That was Myra's first thought. Is she going to fire me? Her second thought. A feeling of dread formed in the pit of her stomach. She suddenly felt very cold. Why was it so chilly in this house? The temperature was at least 85 outside. Mrs. Cotte leaned against the kitchen counter and smiled. I'm going to be going away for a few days. Oh! The word just slipped out of Myra's mouth, a quiet cry of surprise. That wasn't what she had been expecting Mrs. Cotte to say at all. My sister isn't well. I'm going out to Vermont to check on her, Mrs. Cartier continued, fussing with the front of her white blouse. So you won't be needing me? Myra asked, trying not to sound happy about it. But inside, she was jumping up and down for joy. Well, I can't take Hazel with me, so I'd like you to come feed her every day. And while you're here, you can take in the mail and water the plants. Sure, that's fine, Myra exclaimed. She'll be gone, she told herself. Gone, gone. Maybe for those few days I'll be able to sleep peacefully again. Of course, I'll pay your full salary, Mrs. Cotty said, heading to the sink. Oh, thanks. I'll pay you to go away, Myra thought. That's very generous of you, Mrs. Cartier. Well, I know you'll take good care of Hazel and the house while I'm away. Hazel stared up doubtfully at Myra. The cat was staying close by Mrs. Cartier's ankles this morning, as if she knew her owner would soon be leaving her. Yes, I'll come every day without fail, Myra said. When are you leaving? She hoped she didn't sound too eager. Tomorrow morning. My sister's husband is driving down today to pick me up. Leaning on her cane, Mrs. Cartier moved to the sink. Gracious, I forgot I was in the middle of something here. She picked up a heavy meat cleaver, the kind Myra had only seen at the butcher shop, and began chopping away at something, raising the meat cleaver high and bringing it down hard with a loud crash. Myra moved closer to the sink to see what the old woman was cutting with such ferocity. Then she sank back, groaning, feeling sick. It looked like a human hand. Mrs. Cartier, a strange smile on her face, turned and caught Myra's expression. Myra? What's the matter? she asked, holding the cleaver high, about to bring it down again. That thing you're chopping, Myra pointed. Mrs. Cartier laughed. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen pig's knuckles before? My sister loves pig's knuckles. She turned back to her work. Pig's knuckles? They didn't look like that, did they? Chop, chop, chop. Mrs. Cartier had such a gleeful expression on her face as she raised the cleaver and brought it down. Chop, chop, chop. Feeling tired and unsettled after work, Myra walked home in the warm rain. She fumbled with the keys, then let herself into the house. Mom, are you home? She called. No reply. She walked into the kitchen and looked up at the brass clock over the sink. 4.30. Kim would be home from day camp in half an hour. As she opened the refrigerator to look for a cold drink, the phone rang. 
She picked it up after the first ring. Hi, Myra. It was her mother. I'm still at the hospital. There's been an accident. Myra suddenly felt cold all over. An accident? Yes. Donna, 